Well, Zach, I've made a mistake recently. That's rare. I know. It's my one flaw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this mistake is my one flaw. Okay. Uh, tell me about it. So, uh, I don't know if you know, I actually weren't, uh, you're not my roommate anymore. I know. It's been like that way for roughly um, almost a year. Almost a year. And yeah. a, not a day goes by. I don't, I don't shed you. a tear. I know. I'm sure you enjoy your bride. She's great, but you were a wonderful roommate. I, you and I can't would, answer whatever you're about you to say. You and her would both say, I helped prepare you to You did. Her. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Maybe that's another intro for another time. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it is. We'll, we'll, I'll document that. Yeah, yeah, write that, write that down. Uh, that probably sounds weird. Actually, Monica, will you write that down yeah, real fast? Monica. Thank you. Gosh, I mean, She's that, so faithful. She, she just loves that purple pen. <laughs> Monica and her purple pen, man. It's just like oh, one and the same. It has those little sparkles in it, too. Yeah, you know, know. Oh, just so it just, her. It's, little, it's a little extra level of love. So She's, her. She can't. She hates when we talk about yeah, it. Sorry, all right, all right, anyway. But I just I did make a mistake. Okay. Uh, so I have a new roommate. Yeah. Slash. Yeah. I, well, I'm actually, I happen to be living with this guy. I'm just, that <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. He's great. But uh, we trade off buying the toilet paper. Oh, I see where this is going. Which is a very important job. Very. For both of you. And here's the deal, Zach. There have been days where we used paper towels. Oh, <laughs> you and cheapo. And let me tell you, that's a dark day. Yeah, that's rough. Literally. <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like sandpaper. Yeah. I mean, it's not that. Yeah. If we ran out of toilet paper, I mean, if we ran out of paper towels, we probably would have had to use literal sandpaper. Sandpaper or just or a, like a washcloth. Yeah. Or just wipe. Just a notebook. Yeah. Leave in the comments. Uh, wow, what, comments. what would leave you a use? Five star review and say <laughs> the craziest thing I ever used to press toilet paper was. We'll put that in our Instagram. Yeah. Uh, as well yeah absolutely anyway so what was yeah, your mistake anyways, i made a mistake and it was uh it was one of those paper towel days mm -hmm. and i went and made an online order which i mean we've talked about yeah amazing Walmart's online order thing is kind of crazy so was the mistake well i'll let you i'll ask this question yeah, yeah, later let me finish yeah, that. i'll let you ask and the the mistake was i i clicked one and i was like oh it's pretty cheap for toilet paper mm, 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 and mm. what i didn't realize i you was get uh, what you pay for. i was getting half off because it was single ply exactly. yeah so it was your fault it wasn't the walmart workers it was my fault, fault. Okay. it was not a replacement so walmart does and not has a blanch i did not until that day i thought single ply was a myth really i i you didn't I, have it at marcus high school imagine. growing up i could not imagine well no that's just like where there's no perforation it's those like long <laughs> rolls that kind yeah. of like two extra thin things. yeah you use one roll for a year and a half yeah exactly yeah. so i just remember getting it and and sitting down for mm. I, I mean some reason yeah i was i was preparing to use the toilet paper for like yeah you, things you're just using it I'm just using you it. might have had to blow your nose you know, you know yeah you know. exactly yeah like it could have been used for really anything <laughs> yeah, yeah wiping up something yeah on the sink yeah I mean, you drop them through options i don't you want, drop I don't want, spaghetti sauce on the yeah. floor yeah i don't want imaginations to wander here. no guys rain it in <laughs> <laughs> but i opened it and i pulled first of all yes. obviously how was it hanging i obviously hung it while with the toilet paper facing outwards so that it would drop in front of the roll. Right. I'm not a psychomaniac. Like my mother. Who reaches <laughs> up behind and gets their hand caught behind the roll <laughs> trying to get the Miss, Miss Don, we love you. Can't wait it, to get that text. We just, yeah, we, we just disagree with you. Yeah. It's but okay. Respectfully. 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 Very. And I 
and I don't think any less of Anyway, so you're you're pulling the toilet paper off, rolling the correct the way. Off, and I just you realize something about you, it. You remember you know the uh, the like the Instagram reel sound where it's like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know oh, exactly no, what no, you're no. talking about. Like that, like yeah. that that moment happened in in yeah. reality. Maybe we recreate that reel. Yeah. The reel you're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, when you, when, like when you get single ply toilet paper. Mm. I'll put that down as yeah. well. <laughs> but from there, I uh I just like I mean, obviously, you get like triple the amount because you're folding that. You have to. All over. <laughs> I mean, oh, you know, you, so you fold. I mean, yeah, I fold. I fold. You don't well, crumple. This is like when I'm wiping up stuff on the sink. Oh yes, of course I fold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry. Right. So anyway. again, I was triple playing because I didn't want my finger to break through the toilet paper when I was wiping up the water <laughs> on the sink. Yes, because that would have been that would a little bit uncomfortable, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, a little bit gross. to say the least. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So I just, I, I mean, it was a horrible experience. Yeah, bad. The, I mean, it was not only that, it was like a four, I think it was only a four pack. Oh, well, at least it didn't last long. Exactly. You use a whole roll. I mean, you may, every I, time you may as well, you should basically the same way you would rev up a lawnmower. That's how hard you have to pull the toilet paper. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> then, that's how much that wide of a strand. And then catch it. One, yeah. For one small little <clears throat> spill on the sink. That's what I used. To, yes. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> but Zach, did you know single ply exists? Do you have any experience with it? Mm. I mean, are, you don't You don't look like a man who's seen the things I've seen. <laughs> I'll say that. I've been enlightened now. Yeah. I did know single this is ply your warning existed. Sign. I will say my grandfather is a great man. Uh, great man. Maybe a cheap man. Well, no. Okay. Uh, no, well... Okay. No, it, the, <laughs> I'll just let you finish. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree <laughs> yeah. for me. Uh, and that's – I wouldn't say anything about my dad. I was saying about me. Yeah. I'm a cheap guy. I know, yeah. You know me. Zach, anyway. Zach Funderburg would rather save a penny. <laughs> He'd rather – I don't know what I was going to say. He'd rather save money. I'm a saver. I'm a saver. I'm a saver. So when COVID goes down, you have the toilet paper crisis of 2020. Mm, my my grandfather it goes – It was hard to wipe up the sink spills. Yes. And, 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 <laughs> in, that, in that day and age, yeah. folks. Yes, yeah. There might have been some paper towel users. This is what the time. history books won't tell you about right. in the future. That's exactly uh, right. But my grandfather goes and he fills his gun safe with toilet paper. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so amazing. he has a lot of toilet paper. Did he paper. buy a holster? He, he's got a holster for, a, for, for a toilet. Toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's like just a rod that sits off the bell loop and you just yeah. pull it up. Just here you go, one ply for you. You get one ply. You get yeah. one. Yeah. So that's pretty much what was happening. We were all getting a little slice of one ply from mm. from pops. He, but he was a supplier. He was a supplier. Wow. He was a supplier. That's amazing. So, but he bought only one ply. One T on that butt, right, Zach? <laughs> yes. Okay. He okay. Bought, this is outrageous. He bought. One ply toilet paper uh, for all of it. So I see. The man is a saint. Saved us all. Yeah. I mean, we all had toilet paper. He put the team on his back. He did. But I remember sitting at dinner uh, with them and we were talking about the toilet paper crisis and, and we were really just, I was like, Pops, thank you so much for buying all this toilet paper. Like you are, you're a hero. Yeah. I, I need a hero. And I need a hero. <laughs> but then my grandmother chimes in from the other oh. side of the table and says, but he bought one ply. <laughs> oh, man. And I, think I lost it. There's, if there's I loved a it. To learn, Zach, is that single ply is out there. It's there. Be on the lookout. Mm -hmm. Be warned. Stay on your guard. In last, like, last ditch effort, you can go for it. But when wiping things up on the sink, 
you need more. You need two plies at the least. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Klunderberg, here with my co-host, One Ply, Coop McCullough. One Ply Guy. How we doing, Coopy? Uh, all I say is I hope that you all would learn from my mistakes mm-hmm. in the the purchase I made. And Zach, I would say arguably, mm. that's probably our best intro we've ever done. That might be. That was off the rails. You can guarantee I'll be listening to that multiple times. <laughs> I'll show my children, Lord willing, I have them. Well, yeah, they need to know about the toilet paper crisis yeah. of 2020 because right. they're not putting I mean, that in we're the history documenting books. documenting history. We us. are. You are future. You're welcome. You're welcome, future. This is this is one you're going to want to play in history classes. It's also an interview you're going to want to play oh, in the future. <laughs> this is a good one, Cooper. Dare I say it? Don't say it. My favorite. I knew you were going to say it. It might be. This is Mr. Jamie Roots. He just stepped down in February, but he, for 20 years, was the president of the Houston Texans. Now, Coop, I told That's him. kind of sick. I, it's awesome. Yeah. I talked to him and I said, sir, I'm from Dallas. Yeah. I'm not a Texans fan. You're like, look, man, my blood, re- my blood <laughs> is. My- what was that? <clears throat> Sorry, there was something in my. There was a baseball oh, oh. in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> ba- yeah, my blood runs Rangers. That what I was going to say. Um, it's the Houston Texans. No, it's. I love their goalie. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady had a great rookie year That's this right. past year. Anyway, uh, we're talking Cowboys, folks. Yes, the Cowboys. Cooper and I are big Cowboys fans. Um. Not the biggest. Cooper we'll is honest. Yeah. But we love the Cowboys. We love the Cowboys. I'm we will sit down. Prescott fan. But you're a bigger Bills fan than you are. Uh, no, that's a whole nother. That's a that's, that's another, another intro. Uh, I, I, they're my Monica, you have a lot to write down. She's been writing. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jamie or Mr. Roots was the president of the Houston Texans. He just released a book called A Winning Game Plan, a proven leadership playbook for continuous business success. It's, I mean, that's just you gotta that just you, it's a, like you gotta read. It's that. a must read. Yeah. It's a it's a Wall Street Journal journal bestseller. It's a great book and it's just chock full of practical advice. I feel like so many people write business books, but they never ran a business. You know, it's like, this is what I learned in school or this is what I Everyone hopes that their business book will launch them into a career of starting a business. Yeah, a business of like consulting. But it's like, I don't want a consultant that's never done what I'm doing. That's why our podcast is organized the way it is. Exactly. We didn't want to start talking about leadership as seniors in college that have never actually led a Exactly. But this guy has led the Houston Texans and he wrote, he wrote a book about it and it's chock full with practical advice. And I would think it's very beneficial for any of you looking towards working in the business sector, not even in like the NFL, like the, the professional side of sports, the business side of sports, but in the, it's a playbook for business success, continuous business success. Mm. And we talk about so many things, his time with the Texans. And really what I wanted to ask him about is you worked with a NFL football team in business. What does it take to be a great teammate? And he got to give practical examples and stories of, I I asked him, I was like, who are some of the best teammates who ever played for the Texans? And he got to name a few and it was pretty cool. It was really special uh, to talk to him. So I'm excited to share this with you, Coop. Yeah. And, and maybe you'll find yourself on the, the football team. Just the Dallas. I don't know what I'm saying. I thought I was going for a joke. Maybe we cut that. Well, I'll cut that part out. Coop, I'm excited to share this episode with you. I'm excited to hear it, Zach. Well, this has been an outrageous intro. Thanks for sticking with us. You're going to enjoy this interview. There's two plies to this intro. There is. There might be more than two plies. (laughs) Here he is, Mr. Jamie Roots.
Well, Mr. Roots, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and, and today and just taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to be with us and ask or and answer some questions. First, I want you to start by just introducing yourself. Yeah. Who are you and how did you get to where you are with the Houston Texans? Yeah. So, Zach, I, I um, am the former president of the Houston Texans. I spent 20 years there. I just uh, left recently and kind of in, in between roles and um, hope to reemerge here in the not too distant future. Um, you know, I uh, uh, played soccer all my life and uh, played at Clemson University. Um, was fortunate enough to win a couple of national championships there, but was really focused on on um, on athletics and ac- academics, of course. <clears throat> but didn't really think about what I wanted to do for a career. And uh, left. I went to IBM for several years. Uh, learned a lot of things. Learned I didn't want to work at IBM. And. Yeah. Uh, Wound up uh, leaving and going um, back to graduate school, like you, uh, at Indiana University. Gave me an opportunity to coach and to uh, work in an athletic department. And at the end of that experience, I decided I really wanted to work in a sports business, not coach. Um, I couldn't find a job in sports. I worked for the World Cup in 94. um, And that was really my first foray on a full-time basis working in the industry. And I absolutely loved it. So... um, Wound up working for Procter and Gamble, and had hoped that that would lead to something in sports. And actually, it didn't directly, but indirectly, I was there when I was called and asked to go uh, lead the start of a major league soccer franchise. Um, a group of investors, including Lamar Hunt, had uh, purchased the rights to a team in Columbus, and so I spent five years there prior to uh, going to the Houston Texans. And you were the president of the Houston Texans. And if I read correctly, you stepped down just in February. Yeah, that's right. Uh, February, we, we announced it. I was, you know, effective uh, uh, April 1st. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it is it is fairly recent. So what kind of went into that decision? Why? Why now? Why stepping back from that position? Yeah, I, I mean, 20 years is a long time to do something. And right. um, I, I really kind of felt I needed a fresh challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, and so um, I'm I'm looking to find out what that is now. Any prospects? Do you know where you're headed yet? <laughs> None that I can discuss. I feel like we're in similar but very different situations. I get that question a lot as I'm nearing the end of a, the graduate degree, but that's exciting. Well, alongside of that, you also wrote a book. It's called The Winning Game Plan, Proven Leadership Playbook for Continuous Business Success. What kind of went into writing that book? Why Why did you write it? Kind of what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, well, I, I had thought for a number of years that uh, that I wanted to write a book um, and I that would be about the uh, uh, leadership lessons that I had learned throughout my career. Um, and finally came to a point where, you know, if I'm ever going to do it, I need to do it now. Because uh, I was asked by a, a guy, he's the exec, executive vice president of the Atlanta Falcons. His name's uh, Greg Beatles. And Greg said, Jamie, you, um, uh, you know, being with the Texans since its beginning, um, you know, you guys have had good seasons and bad seasons like all of us, but your business metrics are always at the top. Can you explain to me why that is? And I couldn't really give him a good answer. And so the book is documenting the things that we've done at the Houston Texans and things done at the Columbus crew that uh, that have uh, delivered consistent business success. And one of the main kind of the predicate of what the book is built on is this quote. It says every new leadership opportunity you face is a chance to grow as a leader and as a human being. Can you kind of unpack that for us? What does that mean? Where did that come from? And how does that play into your leadership success? 
Well, it, you, you know, I, I was at, uh, had a speaking engagement last week in this, uh, uh, in, in the introductions that the participants did, this woman said, you know, you're either growing or you're dying. And, um, and I think uh, leaders to remain on top of their game have to be growing. And if you focus on growth, if you gr- focus on getting better, by definition, you're not going to be going backwards. You always need to be pushing yourself to uh, learn new things, learn new skills, techniques, try things out. Some things work, some things don't. Yeah. So as the president of the Houston Texans, what does it look like for you to have that growth mindset of always moving forward? Because I think it's easy for me as a graduate student, say, that I'm in class, I'm, I'm being almost forced to read and forced to grow. But if someone's listening and they're, they've added, they're at a point in their career where they're, they feel like they've kind of made it, if you will, what is your advice to them to continue to push forward and continue to grow? Well, you just have to make time for it. You have to make it a priority. Um, And, you know, reading might be the best way to do that. Reading, studying other leaders, um, you know, you you develop a peer group and you can emulate the things that are successful for other people. Mm -hmm. It's just about finding, finding, you know, successful, uh, best practice ideas and then working hard to put them into your repertoire. Mm -hmm. What did it look like for you to find mentors, even in the the business sector that you're in, whether it's professional sports, the NFL, even back at IBM, what were you looking for in a mentor or someone to to ask questions of about leadership? Yeah, well, I I was fortunate to have two great mentors in the owners of the two teams that I worked for. Uh, Lamar Hunt was a great mentor to me, taught me a ton, not, and, and, you know, a mentor relationship, I mean, it can be kind of formal where you're asking questions and digging into things, but it can also be just by example, you know, and, and, um, you know, taking on the traits that are positive of the individual that you see as your, your mentor. And that's the way that I approached it with both uh, Lamar, Lamar Hunt and Bob McNair. That's so interesting. I I love the way you kind of phrase that even finding the positive attributes or characteristics of the person you want to be like seeing what they do well and wanting to emulate that in your own leadership. And I'm sure that's all throughout the book, but there's something I wanted to, to ask you about. It's kind of the, this idea of leading up, leading down, leading out, and leading across and what each of those mean. But before we get into that, it kind of plays into the difference between a leader and a manager. So for you, what is that difference? I mean, it is a stark contrast and, and there's a big difference, but everyone has kind of their own opinion and definition on it. So what's a leader and what's a manager to you? Yeah, well, a, a manager is a title given by an organization. Mm. A leader is a title given by followers. Mm. You can be a manager and not lead people. Um, leaders focus on the collective, what all of us want, and keeps everybody's eyes trained towards that. Managers, in contrast, focus on the individual and look to get uh, positive performances out of each unique individual. The leader's looking at what brings us all together. You know, mm-hmm. what's the grand vision? What role does each person play in it? That that's an important role. Reminding them that they have everybody's got an important role in our collective success. You know, Tom Landry probably put it best when he said, Le- "Leadership is getting people to do what they don't want to do in order to get what they do want to get." Mm-hmm. And uh, so you keep them focused on what everybody wants, and then then the hard work becomes worthwhile because there's real meaning to it and they can see the impact that they're having on the organization's success. 
well, Tom Landry is obviously a legend and especially in the, where I live up here in Dallas, he's a legend to a lot of people up here, but if someone's listening to this and they might have their first entry level job, they might have the title of manager, but they, they thought that they were leading, but they heard you say that and they're like, Oh no, I'm not leading. What is your advice for someone who is in a manage, manager or management position to move out of that towards leadership? Yeah, well, you've, you've got to get a great team around you, okay? To begin with, they'll be hands-on, making sure that we're all aligned on what we're trying to get accomplished and how we're going to work together. But eventually, you've got to get to where you're defining for them outcomes and then letting them go do their job. And then they come to you when they have challenges or need to bounce things off of you. Um, you, you hold them accountable for the results that they promised at the beginning of a period but that frees you up as a leader to um, be able to look out over the horizon to work on the business, not in the business more often than not. Mm, I love that working on the business rather than just in the business or for it. Okay. So getting into those four kind of areas that I, I had mentioned earlier, starting with leading up, it's this, this idea of how you work uh, better with who directly reports to you as the leader and being able to benefit those people. What does it mean to lead up? Well, it's all about trust. You have to develop a trusting relationship with the people that you report to. Uh, good news, fast, bad news, I, I, bad news, fast, good news, whenever, uh, very transparent, honest, um, and keep in regular communication. Uh, people often don't see managing up as their responsibility. My boss is supposed to manage down to me. And that's true, but it's a two-way street. Um, but the goal is to uh, become uh, trusted. Uh, managing down is about the people that you're directing. And the most important thing there is to be clear. As a leader, above all else, be clear. Be clear about who we are, how we do what we do, where we're headed, that we will win, and how we will win. Leading out is about being respected because when you're outside of the organization, um, you know, people kind of have a badge of who, who they work for. And if you are respected outside of the organization, the uh, people associate that level of respect with everyone who works in that building. If you're that way, that may be must be a consistent norm within the organization that you lead. And then leading across is about being a great teammate, um, you know, being somebody who collaborates well. You're the first, first person on the list when people want to put together a team to tackle a problem. So you're uh, so man. You and and the trick is being able to manage well in or lead well in all four dimensions. Yeah, and I think it's so important. And I think these cover all of those dimensions so well. But I want to go back to leading up really fast as a young leader. And for this is the, the next generation leader podcast. So we have a lot of people who are young and looking towards their, their future leadership, and they might be working under someone now. How do you lead when you're not in charge to kind of use that phrase? If you don't, you don't have the title, you don't necessarily have the, the power, but you have the influence of your position. How do you lead up in a way to serve the people you lead, but also make sure your voice is heard? Yeah, well, Ed, I think your voice should be heard. Uh, I mean, it, it, it all depends. I mean, you, you need to have somebody that you're working for. In fact, there's a, a, a quote on my wall. I uh, can't find it right now. About, you know, when, when you take your first job, and you got a, a lot of folks out here that are looking to take their first job, don't focus on the company. 
focus on who you're going to be working for. That's an absolutely critical um, connection because that's the person that can help you get where you want to go. If they'll be a good mentor to you, if they will be a good manager, if they'll, you know, offer you opportunities to stretch yourself. So that, uh, that's, you know, really important, but that you're, what you're trying to do in your conversations with the when you're when you're leading up is to get a clear understanding and alignment with that person on what we're here to do, who we are, you know, what's our culture, what's our mission, um, and and what what are we trying to get accomplished? And you know that takes some time and gets takes some understanding. But once you take you take then you take that, and then your job is to create a plan of work within the organization in order to realize those objectives. And I think it plays into a lot of uh, creating clear expectations from yes, the leader absolutely. and from those people. What is expected of you every day when you come into work? Which is the most important thing to employees. Do I know what's expected of me every day at work? Yeah. And it creates that clarity going down the list of leading down. How do leaders create clarity in, in the environment in which they work and creating that environment where people feel known, they feel respected? Because the leader is leading with clarity. Yeah, well, just being clear, being clear in your communications, yeah. you know, your, your written communication and, and over communicating. I think, you know, you know, you, ever, you probably heard somebody say, well, I told him to do this or I told them that. Well, right. if it doesn't break through, if it doesn't get into people's minds, if it doesn't get into their hearts, it can't influence their behavior. Mm. Right. And um you, you can develop clarity in terms of expectations by the people that you reward and that you recognize and that you hold up as role models. So, and tell stories of what those people have done and, and stories are so powerful. One of yeah. the t- things that we've, we, we did at the Texans for a long time, uh, 20 years, we had something called our impact awards. And then periodically we would tell stories of what people have done that has been so exceptional. And that mm. gives you a real clear picture of what, the standard is within the organization. And I think those stories also play into the perception of what other people think of your organization as well. Talking about leading out and being respected, whether it be in the community or even as a leader being respected by those you are leading. And I think stories do play a huge part of that. So how do leaders use stories effectively in that way? Well, in terms of in, in, in what way? In, in, yeah. And, and I, I guess you could say in like the, the public relations side or even how the perception of your organization seems, how, how do stories play into it? Yeah, I, um, that, that's a good question. I, I, I've really seen it more in terms of the people that I've led. Um, but, you know, there are store if, if you can do something so exceptional for someone, we talk in terms of creating raving fans and that's unpacked in the book. That's the power of your reputation. Others telling the story of who you are and uh, how you do what you do and why the organization and the people in it are so exceptional. And the, yeah. those raving fans that are in the community saying, you're not going to believe that the Texans did this for me. Um, or you're not going to believe that, uh, that, you know, the level of responsiveness that I get when anytime I call, they fix a problem right away. There's never any grief that I get. You know, those things, you know, build your reputation and build your brand. Yeah, I love the idea of other people telling your story or other people talking about what you did. That is how you create the the raving fans that you talk about. And and up in Dallas, there aren't as many raving uh, Texans fans, but there are a couple and they're they're proud of it. And and lastly, leading across, obviously you work 
or you have worked for a long time with an NFL organization. And I think when you think of great teams, you think of like the Navy SEALs and then you think of like an NFL football team. So you've gotten like a firsthand glimpse of observing great teams and great teammates. So from your perception, what makes a great teammate? Well, somebody who's, who's, who's not only thinking about themselves, they're thinking about the team first and realize that in order for the team to be successful, everybody's got to be successful. So if you're in need of support and I can help, uh, if you can, you must. You know, it's not to the exclusion of the things that you have on your plate, but you're, you're thinking more broadly about the organization, that this, this is an important thing that needs to be accomplished. I can help here and I'm going to step up and do it. But I'm not going to just stay in my lane and stay in my silo. And it's kind of the idea of a, a rising tide lifts all boats and, and that whenever the team, each one individually gets better, uh, the whole team gets better. Do you have any stories in particular of great teammates on the Texans in your past 20 years here? Does, is, does anyone stand out as somebody say that is a great teammate, someone that we can, can learn from? Uh, I would say, you know, I'll just talk about on the team. I, there were, there were a number of them, but uh, you know, D'Amico Ryans was a great teammate. And uh, he was the captain of the team. And, um, you know, he was, he was humble and he was hungry um, and, uh, and, and talented. And Andre Johnson is another example of a great teammate. But I can, I can tell you stories, so I don't want to eliminate a bunch of people, you know, by, uh, uh, by not mentioning them here. But they, we've had a lot of great teammates. And it's critical. You got, you know, for a team to win a championship, you got to have a positive locker room. Got to have guys that are all thinking about the betterment of the team and, and know that they have a role to play within that, but they're going to help each other and support each other. And they're going to, and, think, and the, you know, the, the more veteran players are going to help the rookies. And I think that even bleeds out into the leading out part as well as, as a fan or someone who's observed uh, NFL teams, you know, the unsuccessful or successful teams are the ones that have the weak locker room and the stories that are coming out of the bitterness and, and the fighting within the locker room. So how do leaders yeah. lead that kind of behind the scenes locker room side? Well, um, as, as speaking in terms of locker room, I just, you know, Bill O'Brien had a, a great move that he made to develop a leadership council among the, uh, among the players, you know, kind of uh, the first among equals. And that was the group that he used to, to identify, you know, what the mo mojo was with the team and, and uh, adjustments that needed to uh, be made to the, you know, how, uh, how he went about coaching the team. It's fascinating. I think teamwork and good teammates, it's so important, especially in leadership. And I think all of those are so great. And there's, there's really just one more question I'd love to ask you before we, yeah. before we go is what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Yeah. Um, well, fortunately I, uh, well, I would, I would say, you know, early as early as you can figure out something that you love to do, you know, that you're passionate about. Because if you're passionate about what you're doing, you know, no, nothing sunshine and ponies. When you're passionate about what you're doing, you're clear on that. You can find something that's a good fit for you and you will do your best because it's important to you. Right. Number two is figure out what makes you special. You know, what are your unique talents? Everybody's got unique talents. And within the Texans, the, we had, we had two non-negotiables in addition to um, embracing the values of the organization. And they were work ethic, winning attitude. You can get a long way if you brush up on those two talents, working hard and having a winning attitude, positive, optimistic, team-oriented. 
Uh, and then number three, maybe most importantly, uh, who are your raving fans? You know, you, we, we talked about you know, your first boss and about mentors and, you know, mentors only want to be mentors if they think you're serious about it, that you really want to be great, that you want to turn them into a raving fan. And so, you know, I think in, in order to build a mentor relationship, as you're asking about before, you kind of have to pay forward. You have to demonstrate, you have to turn them into a raving fan that they really think you're special. And so they'll be willing to spend the time to help you develop and get where you want to go. And I think those are great, just three great questions to consider. What do, you, what do you love to do? What makes you special? And who are your raving fans? If you think about those, it will propel you into leadership in the future. And I want to get you to sell the book. Where, where can we buy the book? Winning Game Plan, <laughs> Proven Leadership Playbook for Continued Business Success. Where can we get it? Where can we support you? Amazon.com is the uh, is the outlet. The uh, the audio version has just come out, so it's available on Audible. It's Do you uh, read it? Uh, I've read it. Yeah. No. Do you read it in the audio version? Oh no, I I, I did one chapter. Mark oh, okay. Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, did uh, most of it, and then the introduction was done by uh, Scott McClellan, who's the president of HEB. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'd encourage everybody listening to go get the book, amazon.com, where you can get this book and just about everything else you need. Mr. Roots, thank you so much for your time and, and pouring into us. All right, Zach, great to be with you, buddy.